Hey guys, welcome to Banana Split, the podcast where a white guy and Asian guy talk about pop culture and everything else in between. We have a special guest right now. We have Mr. Ruben Rose Woo. on the show. Give him a round of applause. Woo! I, I, I can't hear the audience. Yeah. One day, man, you know, dream big. If you reach for the stars, you might land on the moon. Is that? My, my dad once said to me, it's hard to reach for the stars when you get your head up your ass. That was what he told me on my 16th birthday. Wow. So it's, Was that a like, really understated lesson on hubris? I, I think it's just general life advice. Mm. Um, but he'd had a few at the time, so I guess. For a uh, for 16-year-old me, whose dad would normally never even use the word ass or putting yeah. a head up there in the first place, that was... Oh, you'd had a few drinks? Price. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, kids. <laughs> I was like, hang on, now I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> This one, I'll teach him the right way. One makes okay. the other. If you have a few yeah. kids, you probably need a few drinks eventually. Yeah, yeah. No, right. that's true. So, Mr. Rose is an established uh, martial artist, writer, cosplayer, um, and we're speaking right now at Burwood, the ultimate place for Chinese food. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Ruben, can you please, uh, I guess, tell the audience uh, what you're all about? And yeah. Yeah, no specific questions, just a general... General. <laughs> we're okay. not going to give you. We're not going to make it easy for you. I was going to say, what, what do my guys about? work? What, what you? We dragged him into this office, and we're okay. like, "Tell us things." Okay. All right. In an ideal world, what I'm all about is sleeping till midday, and uh, you know, uh, watching ridiculous movies. But that's mm. that's usually where my, my interest would peak if I can. Have you seen uh, speaking of ridiculous movies? And you still haven't seen it yet. Train to Busan. The zombie train movie? Uh, no, no, not like, yet. Put that on your must-watch. I saw it on the uh, the Netflix list. It's, mm-hmm. That list keeps growing, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's my, like my podcast list. They've got the uh, uh, Death Note series movie coming out. Yeah, well, well, that's yeah. They're a nice segue into what we were talking about last week. Which yeah. are, and the reason why Ruben's here, because I saw him post a long rant about why Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is not very good. Um, and so, and that terrible, was, I think, that, was the word I put. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Not yeah, a travesty. I, I want to just delineate. There's, there's not absolute appalling travesties. Things yeah. that should never have been made. Uh, Catwoman falls into that category. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Batman and Robin. Uh, the types of things that makes you feel like there should be a criminal charge against a director for ruining childhood memories. But and George Clooney, don't forget. Dragon yeah, Ball Evolution. Yes. Oh Av- my gosh. Yes. Avatar. I was so disappointed. Everyone seems to love Avatar. I felt like I should have been able to sue for the trauma, frankly. But I'm not talking about the green, um, no, blue. Not blue avatar. Blue You're cats. talking about talking Last about Airbender last avatar. Yeah, that Airbender. one. Everyone got upset yeah. with that. Indian Kitty, which is yeah. kind of difficult. I'd, I'd be assuming, and I don't want to be sort of super anti-left or anything else on these lines, but I'd be mm. assuming they would have to have a hard time where you've replaced a particular Asian character with a you know continental Asian character mm. uh, actor. It's like it's not technically whitewashing. What so does it wind up being? When you say continental, you mean the subcontinent as yes. in India? Yes. Okay. Because I didn't, I've not seen that. I don't know what the controversy is. I did see one comment somewhere where he's like, well, they're not actually Asian, they're gods or from another planet or right. something. So it's very tricky with that stuff. Like Ghost in the Shell, the issue was, well, she's a robot. So there was arguments on both sides of like, she doesn't have to be Asian. They could have built anything. Or like the company that made her was German or something. So that was an argument a lot mm. of people were using. Right. Like, here's, then, here's an interesting thing I thought about that because I saw that article at the time. This could be a completely yeah. uh, wrong segue to have. But sex bots yes. that are starting to come up on the internet everywhere. Yeah, in Asia, they're all white. Yeah, really? In, in, yeah, yeah, they, they, they yeah. like the, the, oh. the, to be sort of looking like a Caucasian person. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, in the West, they like a lot of the Asian-looking ones. It's yeah. like, well, well, you've got to think about the I can go to the shelfie going, well, <laughs> yeah. she's in Japan. Yeah. So technically, having her look kind of like a sort of Asian white lady. Follow that logic if you yeah. take it to the next level of like, oh, in 10 years when they're actually walking around. And yeah. They've already got the moulds. Everyone's yeah. made a Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there, there's something out there. Not that, that I would, like but a, still. Yeah. You know. um, they've got everything they need to make her. You know, they had that whole scandal. I think they did make her. I don't think she's a real person. Yeah, yeah. No. She doesn't true. actually exist. She's a she's a projection. I mean, the number of movies she's in, there's no way she's not making three movies at the same time. Mm. So they're just like, that. what's that movie with Michael Keaton, Multiplicity? Mm. Is it him where there's like 10 dads? Is that 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 big question? Mom. No, I'm never, thinking of someone else. I've never seen Bruce Wayne and Batman in the same room at the same time. It's kind of the same thing. I've seen yeah. Scarlett Johansson exactly at the same time. What's going on here? Mm. So yeah, triplet town. And, and it's a little bit like the new Scarlett is or vying for top spot with female leads. If 
that's what we're talking about suddenly is um for, for what jennifer lawrence that's who i'm thinking of that had the scandal it wasn't i got it mixed up jennifer yeah. lawrence had all the photos i, I like the, the, the leaked nudes yeah the leaked nudes yeah, scarlett so hasn't had the leaked nudes i don't think though there's probably a couple yeah, of like everyone's had one like those uh, so far in hollywood emma yeah. watson and, and uh, not that i've seen them yeah i wouldn't <laughs> look at those Amanda things Seafried. that would be very unethical you know to do uh but from what i've heard from what i've heard i mean it's 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 a breach of privacy and these photos aren't very flattering it's just like them Mm. either checking out their clothes or how they fit and stuff like that sure the even watson ones were with the nude ones were fake so only the ones that were legit were the ones where she's changing right and they're not wow that's very specific um patrick yeah well you know (laughs) i might have come across it on reddit but not you know, no. there, there was some forensic science done, and it was like, no, that's not her. There's a birthmark on the left nipple oh. that isn't. <laughs> doesn't match medical Whoa. records. Is this a PG rated uh, podcast? Yeah. There's a whole thing where they talk about the weaponized autism. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, that got. It's, it's the thing about. It's what Using they call that, them on Reddit. Yeah, the ones that want to try and find uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf's. Yeah, oh, that was amazing. Yeah, they yeah. call it the, we- the weaponized autists. Wow. Um, Is that what that's, that term's. That's where it came from. Okay, that's yeah. where it came from. Because. Someone used it once, and he was a regular poster in a cosplay group that I help admin. Um, and I didn't delete it. I was just like, mm, I don't know what to do. Because it was just a random, I wasn't directed at anyone. It was just a meme that, had, that used that term. And because I didn't do anything, I just went to bed. I was like, well, I've got other admins. If they think it's that bad, they can get rid of it. But when I woke up, they'd both left. They'd been like, well, if you're going to let this shit happen, I'm gone. And it was like, well... How dare you well, why, why were you being admins then? If you just, that, that stood, to this day, I still can't quite understand what happened there because I was like, I wanted more people to come in and help. And when I don't know what to do, do that. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because I've got no real moral compass for what's too far sometimes. Hmm. I'm not saying I'm on the spectrum, but you know. Would you make like I haven't been diagnosed. Like I think it, a lot of people self-diagnose these days and it's a bit trendy to be like, no, I'm, I'm, you know. Totally you have a lot spectrum. of labels, Patrick. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's too. It feels like it's giving yourself a crutch. Well, you kind of like it's a lot of people. I like have that that thing now in this days. Yeah, I'm the proud parent of someone on the spectrum. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, I'm pretty certain where on that spectrum is pretty freaking good. Like on the highly functional side, because otherwise, if you wouldn't be going, man, I've got to spend half my day, you know, with a thirty year old with the mind of an eight year old. Yeah. You know, that you'd be saying. This is hard. I'm putting my hand yeah, up for yeah, it. Yeah. Um, That's true. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I actually, in fact, one of the churches I was involved with, we had some uh, uh, groups that ran with uh, guys with uh, with Down syndrome and autism. I had a couple of kids with Asperger's that ran my youth groups over the years. Uh, one high functioning, one uh, where it hit him a whole lot harder. Yeah. Um, the, the one that you know had the the, the furthest swing on it, uh, absolutely. You know, with, with Asperger's, the, the big thing is that um, it it often means that you can become very very high functioning in one specific area mm-hmm. uh, of interest or whatever it is. And for him, it was it was writing and things. So at yeah. the age of fifteen or so, he was writing. 130 page stories or whatever nice. it is along these lines were but, they good stories um well, they needed work as time went on and, and that was an area where he constantly wanted to look into no one writes you know the world's greatest novel at the age of 14 no, really very rarely king wrote the shining when he was 12. So, <laughs> you know. what about music beethoven and you know mozart and all those people yeah, but music is easier. You hear about different. It's yeah. easier, right? Because you hear about people playing the piano at five and doing full concertos. But mm. writing a like fully novels require life experience. Mm. So if you're a fourteen year old, how much life? You know, your imagination could be amazing. But yes. you know, uh, do do you okay. understand the three act structure? And do you understand? Right. Um, right. You know, can you write a character of like a Norwegian fisherman that washes up on the beach and meets like a, yeah. You know, a person of colour from some indigenous tribe, and then they have to somehow communicate. And you know, that sounds like a great book. But wasn't you know that what I mean? how Robinson Crusoe style, but well, like now? Well, there, there was there was one like they called. Uh, it was by Terry Pratchett. Um, oh. called Fred Nation. Okay, uh, I've read a few of his books, but they're all the Discworld ones. I haven't read anything that wasn't a Discworld, other than I think he was involved with his those ones that were like there was a scientist with him. And they're like, if aliens... That was Stephen Baxter with him. Uh, yeah. It was uh, the Long Earth series. Yeah. Uh, working on uh, multidimensional theory. It's yeah. The Fascinating stuff. Theories. This is the other things in there. But I mean, look, mm. 
just on the on the is it easier to write music is it easier to write right uh yeah, it's words question um because you know I, I, I play four instruments and i gotta say it's it's much easier when i'm writing a song to write the musical aspect and then try and work out how you convey the key things in the in, in the words and, and keeping that short and to the point but also not having that sound contrived i say that's got to be the hardest harder yeah. area in yeah. in any kind of writing whether it's you know script writing or yeah. uh whether it's in uh novel writing or or whatever just being able to um get something that's connecting on an emotional level with the with the audience and mm. yeah that's one of the things that grows as, as time goes so on so the coming up with the tune itself is easier than finding the right words to accompany that tune absolutely right. mm. well the thing with writing is that a lot of people take it too personally because they think writing is a personal endeavor because my mate of mine he runs writing workshops and he criticizes them at a technical level mm. and so when he criticizes people's work they're like that's just your opinion mm. yeah it's it's, this is my work. It's personal. So mm. you can't judge it. Mm. But it is judgeable. Mm. That there is a technical, as you talk about, three-act structure, yeah. you know, whether it goes wrong. But I mean, they might just, there is, yeah. from their point of view, they might want to use that structure. They, they might want to be, you know, I'm postmodern and I just, I'm going to be over here, then over there. You know, So that, there's an argument for both sides. Like, if you don't like it, fine, I'll just keep doing it. But so, it depends so, who you're writing it for. Yeah. If you're writing yeah, it for right. yourself and you will not show it to the light of day, yeah. Write it however the hell you want. Yeah. But I'm assuming if you're putting something down... Commercial. Right? Well, not, not commercial, but you want to share. It's the whole point of art is that you want someone else to, to look at it yeah. uh, or to consume it and be and react to it and know whether or not that hit the right notes or, or, or didn't with yeah. the audience that you want. Um, I mean, you know, I, mean, I know you do a lot of, uh, of video editing and, uh, and other things along those lines. And I know one of the hardest things there from, from what I've heard from editing friends is being able to try and find the right beats so that the uh, the pace continues at the right level that you don't get fatigue or things going too far. You know, does, yes. a, does a scene go that little bit too long? And even exactly. the hard part of cutting things that are really great that just they, they uh, slow down the overall story structure, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, it's all fine. It's hard enough to do it on, on the on the writing stage there, but once you get into the editing, that's really where you you refine that story to a stage that. Ideally, it's not going to get noticed. It only gets noticed when something goes wrong. Yeah. And then that's it's, it's a bit of a thankless job. Then I'd assume uh, when you get it right, no one notices because it just seems right. And when it goes wrong, you see those little notes. I was going to say, good editing is when it's seamless, when you don't notice it. But when there's a clear mistake, everyone blames the editor. So it's, it really is a thankless job. But um, the thing with editing is that it's the final, I guess, step because everything is done: the acting, the production design directing and so on but if you cut badly let's say in a two-way conversation mm. how hold do you along that shot or do you hold that shot mm. or uh, which which angles do you do change and how does that affect the story mm. um, you're seeing John Wick like so many times it's like this beautiful wide shot of the, the fights and stuff mm. and the director himself said I only edit to reveal the story not to hide the actors mistakes mm. like in uh, Taken 3 or Taken 2 with Liam Neeson there's like seven <laughs> cuts of him climbing the fence yeah. <laughs> and it shows that he's not able to do his own stunts mm. and it's just a it's so problematic it just gave me a headache watching mm. Taken compared to say other martial arts films yeah I'm curious on, on that then um, John Wick versus John Wick 2 chapter 2 mm. Mm. your thoughts wow um, I, I liked the how he expanded more in the, in the universe um, everything went on a bigger scale like they, they fought at like in Rome Mm. And there was a large stage, and then when people got shot, the crowd was like laughing and cheering. Mm. Um, I, I, f- I thought the fights were definitely more elaborate, but uh, I was pretty happy with it. Uh, yeah, um, Swearingen. Sounds- oh no, what's the actor's name? He was playing the hotel um, boss, what basically is- the guy that handed out the coins. And um, no, he had a guy make the coins that they used to pay for debts and things like that. What I liked about one is that it had a sense um, of mystery. It was like there's a lot of fan theory with, mm. with this underground assassins like guild and stuff. But yeah. two that like they wanted to expand that more. And I heard there was a TV series in the works. Wow, right? that would be amazing. I don't know, but I was going to say yeah. the the one I thing I I felt about it is that the action was absolutely relentless to the point that I, I was kind of going far out, man. Like <laughs> you're taking three steps before you're having to murder someone again. Yeah. Um. And I, I like the practicality, the real impact. I thought in the end it. It was so beautifully edited, uh, but the script had been left very bare bones to sort of have that as the the central aspect of it, and it it became I think it's it's one downfall. Mm. 
What did you think of the Matrix scene near the end where he just kind of clicks his fingers and everyone disappears? And, <laughs> I mean, was he basically God at that point? Was that the metaphor? No, no, no. The point was that uh, he's up for some, some real things. You get to understand that a very, very powerful guy yeah. has still kind of got his back. He's still... What was interesting, though, he was still bound by the rules. Like, he's going, yeah. I can't let you murder someone in the hotel That's and true. carry yeah, on. Yeah. You're, banned, you're banned, exiled. Yeah. Can't help him yeah. anymore. And he's, he's certainly on a lower rung to... Well, it was... Because the, the bad dude comes in there and tells him, this is what you're going to do. And he's like, you don't tell me what to do. And so it's interesting that he's, he's kind of parallel to this world, you know. Yeah. He's subject to it and he, he operates just below the, the top because he can. He still, you know, operates the things that serve everyone's needs. Yeah, but, a, bad, uh, a bad guy will just see him as like a servant, yeah. so to speak. But then he Well, tried to. Push came to shove. He realized, yeah, yeah. wait, I better, better not do it. And then he yeah. gets a sense of that really at the end. Yeah. Uh, where John thinks at least he's in a public place so he's safe, yeah. uh, it becomes very clear that, no uh, that there is there is no safety. But what was even further, I mean, John goes back to his, his house and you feel for him in a moment there because he may have, have gotten you know the, the tail end of the revenge that he wanted at the time just as far as equalising things, but he's yeah. still a bloke with enormous loss. Now he's lost the house with the memories of his wife and his wife herself. Yeah. Um, He's waiting for, at that moment for the people to come and, and do what they need to do. He's resigned himself to the fact that now it's uh, it's all it's all over. Mm. Um, what's interesting is that, well, to me anyway, was that question at the end as he starts to run away with the dog. Um, there's, there's the option of just resigning himself to it. Mm. Is it scarier for him to now be actually free than it is for him to... Uh, be pursued because he's choosing the freedom he's still running off yeah um, does he really have a choice but, but well, he can't be like please can he's I got a bouncy back? on his head like, well you yeah. could you can sit there for an hour and go yeah whatever come on I mean uh, you look at the end of John Wick 1 mm. what's he call a chick that, uh, that murdered on the hotel grounds uh, they come up they tell her her membership's been revoked uh, by her in hand and then uh, eight guns come out and all shoot her at the same time which one would think is not a really smart thing to do in a circle <laughs> you know like, on my shoulder you know what <laughs> A line would have been handy. There was a perfectly functional wall right there. <laughs> Pretty accurate assassin, well. I would say. But I think one of the weak links for uh, John Wick 2 was Ruby Rose. Yeah. She really did nothing. I'm not sure why she was there. Yeah, yeah. She was like, you know, the hand signals and like deaf and... Mm. But the, the, the choreography itself was, was pretty poor mm. um, compared to John Wick 1 with Adrian Polinsky or something. What's her name? The... Adriana, whatever. I'm just gonna leave you hanging there. Okay, whatever. No but um, it was it was her and and John Wick fighting in in the hotel Tell room. Me. Yeah, and she was doing some jujitsu stuff like kimuras mm. and being guard, and it was really beautifully mm. technically executed. Oh, and then Ruby Rose just like you know in the mirror and just doing. The, oh. It was clear yeah. she she wasn't really, I guess either had a martial arts background or just that made easier uh, stunt work for her mm. because she wasn't as adept. Was it? It was one thing that that. I didn't mind so much that particular fight, and the reason was uh, my, my understanding of the character is that you know she's dealing with uh, you know medium to long range weapons and knives if necessary, and and pure rage. She's you know a little honey badger necessarily, but mm. uh, you go up against someone who is bigger and stronger. It's not going to be a, a three hour fight, and sometimes I get a little bit annoyed at the movies that will pit someone who's obviously bigger against a girl who beats the crap out of them, whatever it is. A little bit like even um, Die Hard 4, where... Uh, is it when they're in Russia? Yeah, Maggie. Oh, no, no, no. Um, no, that's Die Hard 5. Die Hard 4 oh. is the computer one, um, mm. where they, they take out all the, the computers with Justin Long. Right. And he's fighting Maggie Q. Kevin Smith in it, who plays uh, the wizard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's in there up, up against Maggie Q, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm going, look, I'm, I'm sorry, but in all the years that I've done stuff, a 52-kilo woman does not throw a knockout punch. Yeah. And <laughs> legs don't come up all that quick, unless you're actually going to use leverage. And in the years that I've, I've done jiu-jitsu, I've seen some really great chicks in there. And I've known some... When I, the, the guy I used to do taekwondo with was the coach of the Australian women's side. Uh, he was based over in Ashfield, and... Uh, you know, we'd have the, the crew come in and train. There were some women who were absolutely insane in there, you know, uh, really, really, really good. But you, nevertheless, you cannot change the question of, of impact and weight ratios and things at some but point. If they're equally skilled, then yeah. yes, the bigger... And that's probably hit. why right. in, you know, professional fighting, they, they make such a huge deal of weight divisions and things like that. Yeah, well, I mean, even in uh, in UFC, you look at the, uh, what was the, the transgender fighter that... Mm. Uh, 
she cracked a couple of girls' eye sockets and yeah, things, and they said, issue, yeah. we need to pull that out because yeah. there's just there's a, a level of, of power that is so unmatched and yeah, is... Right. Uh, it's dangerous at that point mm. to the, the other people competing in you there. You take so, a few hormones, but you're still going to have that. Yeah, those twitch muscles and those, yeah. those muscle fibers. That, yeah. yeah. Whereas at least in uh, in like in John Wick One, he's shot uh, already. He's uh, yeah. he's not at his hundred percent. She's no. also very good close quarters. It's it's in a limited field of view. You got the sheets getting involved, tying mm. them up, and then you've got leverage and and jujitsu things in there. Yeah. Uh, that made a whole lot of sense. In its context, I didn't mind the Ruby Rose fight in the end in that mm. it went the way I would expect it to go. Uh, she got you know, really dominated. It was a last-ditch effort. She had nowhere else to go, and she's trying to protect her boss. Sure. Uh, but I wasn't quite certain why the hell her character was there all the time um, and what her relationship to John was, really. There's something like half-stated, somewhat, somehow understated. At least it made sense with his yeah. other mate that he ends up stabbing through the aorta. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, if, if someone was consistently there just to keep an eye on him, mm. I'd expect that person to be quite menacing, both physically and mentally. So I would pref- maybe the, I like the black guy a lot more. He was mm. he was pretty good. Yeah. That, that fight scene was pretty epic on the stairs. Yeah. And then on the train, he <laughs> yeah. gets stabbed. Yeah. Oh my god! No, now I remember. And mm. it's like, yeah. you like, stay there. Yeah. <laughs> Consider it yeah. a professional courtesy. <laughs> I was it was very very good. <laughs> this time, this, I really felt for Keanu at the end because he's throwing himself down just about everything on the way, <laughs> going, "Dude, you are fifty now. This is not going to feel good in the morning." But all right, right. stuntmen or no, uh, I mean, how many other guys are at that level that you know you get your Liam Neeson movies and as you mentioned, they'd have to do a lot of cuts around the physical stuff. But there's still at least two or three guys that are that old and can still run fast yeah like, I mean who doesn't want to watch Tom Cruise running I was gonna say Tom Cruise does his own mole of his own stunts yeah, yeah. right what was that mm-hmm. the, the, the plane was on that yeah. plane was that real yeah. that was real yeah. so that was real you know, and all the stuff he's riding the motorbike with a wire was... at least <laughs> yeah. yeah but still <laughs> yeah right? nevertheless it's pretty impressive he's on a plane um, someone <laughs> else I can think <laughs> of maybe things. Jackie Chan yeah there's an obvious one. Um, so he's got a new one coming out. Have you guys seen the trailer? The Foreigner. It looks amazing. Yeah. yeah that looks really good. Him and Pierce Brosnan? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan supposed to be the Prime Minister or just some kind of higher government terrorism di- expert? diplomat, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Foreign Minister. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That reminds me of one he did called the Shinjuku Incident or something like that where he's like a Chinese immigrant in Japan mm. and he's helping basically a bunch of other Chinese people get in and mm. find jobs and stuff like that. And then the Yakuza get involved and it's very like dark and gritty and indie. Um, and then he went back to doing silly things like Jackie Chan like Magic Suit or something with like a spy suit inspector gadget style thing yeah one of those Disney ones you know cashing in the tuxedo that's the The one the tuxedo and then he did two other Disney ones the spy next door or whatever it was but yeah, uh, Donnie Yen's one of the other dudes. He, yeah, I mean, yeah. how old is he? Yeah, he's like fifty something. Well, there you go. He's the yeah. Paul Rudd of the of the action movie world. He's in everything. Paul Rudd hasn't changed since Clueless. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, wow. It's, that's it's been it's been twenty years there. since that got released, but that's only three years in Paul Yad, in Paul Rudd years. It's <laughs> yeah. like the, he's like an inverted dog. dog. Yeah. yeah, right. That's no, true. It doesn't get age. People like that. Tom Cruise is a bit like that. Um, God, they've got there's something in the water out there. It's, it's yeah, called it's surgery. Uh, I gotta That's say, uh, on old Tommy's front, I, yeah, you get to see him do some of his stunts and things, but I've never found him really compelling until Tropic Thunder. And his Les Grossman, you know what, man? I don't want to see you running and jumping off buildings and hanging off planes anymore. Yeah. I want to see you as a fat, balding person yeah. screaming that you're going to have to bring an international treaty down to, uh, to uh, the Golden Triangle. And, that bit where he, what is it that he yells? Um, yeah, they're going to have to bring in the UN and bring in a motherfucking binding resolution. I will massacre you. I will fuck you up. And then the guy's on the far end with his eyes wide, holding the fight away from his face, going, we've made a terrible mistake. Uh, it was but at the end, like, when he was dancing, that was the best. Yeah. With all those ghetto moves, it was, it was so black, man. He's twerking, Tom yeah. Cruise twerking. Why? There's Who been knows? a lot of talk about reviving that character. Yeah. So could, the answer is you could not make it a whole movie. It's no. He's not the kind of character you can do a whole movie of. They might just have to do another Tropic Thunder, but hopefully it does better than the second Zoolander. <laughs> um, I haven't seen that one. Was it bad? Was well, it, it didn't make a lot of money when the first one came out. It was one of those ones that made its money on the video. Yeah. And that doesn't really happen anymore because everyone just watches watches stuff on Netflix or on demand. So it's hard for movies to really yeah. make a lot of their money if they don't do it at the, the first couple of weeks. Mm. Then they're kind of they've got to really scrabble for mm. you know 
foreign markets and speaking on demand Speaking stuff. of videos, so, the, the last blockbuster closed down. Yeah. Recently. Oh, in, a, in Australia. That's part of my childhood. Where was man. that? Because there's one in West Ride that I'm sure I saw it was still open the other day. So I'm hoping that's fake news. Yeah, it's in the, that, the that's face. That's really sad. Mount Annan it was, I think, uh, the last blockbuster. Uh, it's over in Ashfield, just near here. There's the old blockbuster. Yeah. It's still got the blockbuster sign up. No one's done anything. Who with goes it. there, man? Like, is this a graveyard mon- monument or something else along these lines? They're like, just in case people want to come back and return one then 15 years <laughs> yeah. after the fact. And it's all warped um, yeah. in the car. Like, It'd be like that. There's a library in Fallout, and if you find books in the wasteland, you can bring them back and you get a little coupon. Mm. And there's like a vending machine you can spend the coupons on. Wow. So I'll have to do something like that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Do you remember? I don't know if you guys watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, but there's the bit where he's uh, yeah. he's he's finally inherited something from his rich uncle, a man yeah. so rich he could have he could afford to have a room just to eat in. Uh, they're like what a dining room in Manhattan. Oh, <laughs> and he finally opens it up and he's got something like a uh, million dollars worth of shares in Blockbuster. Oh. <laughs> and, and they all walk away. He's like, is that bad? I still have one of those cards. Oh. <laughs> I totally forgot about that one. Yeah. I might not have caught up on the latest if they just did another season or something. I haven't seen the new season because it's they haven't hit it for Netflix yet. And, they haven't yeah. put on. Yeah, Netflix is a bit slow with that. Mm. I'm hoping they don't dilly dally with um, Rick and Morty because I know that season three is coming out soon. I want it better be on Netflix. Is it not away. already? I thought the whole point of that one that dropped to YouTube is that the season had started. That was the first one, and then there's still a wait for any more. That was like, <laughs> listen, you're telling us not to make any Sorry. noise with our drinks. And who starts clinking bottles? But the more you talk about it, the... Okay, yeah. go on. <laughs> People might so, have just thought it was in their imagination. Yeah. It could have been cool for a moment there if they suddenly thought, that, you know, as they were listening in, that they were closet alcoholics. Am I just hearing the sound of drinks now? Now they're all thirsty. <laughs> it's, they can rush out. Is it a problem for me? But, um... Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I remember, uh, Ruben, you were in the news a couple of years back. Yeah. We, Is we that okay if you can tell the Ruben story? Rose on. It was really and just funny. get him to talk about Ruby Rose. We've got to get him to talk about... Um, <laughs> We're actually unrelated, by the way. I, I did hear someone ask me, are you, are you and Ruby Rose related at all? That would be so good. It's like if so you original joke. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's because Jess is the same size or what, but mm. <laughs> I don't know. She's, Have you uh, seen her chest? Have you watched Orange is the New Black? Uh, yes. Uh, good show. I, it's a very, very weird show. I, I, it was one of those ones a little bit like... Uh, I don't know, it's going to put me in the, in the oddity in the uh, pop culture community, but Game of Thrones, I got two episodes, I'm just like, man, I can't handle this. As soon as you start putting uh, incest in a tower and whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. what? That was like the second episode. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of beheadings, yeah. that, that wonderful line, do you not understand the point of a door in a whorehouse, brother? And, uh, and wow. then uh, pushing someone off a building after yeah. you know, whatever they were up to in the, in the tower. Yeah. Deflower in the tower is what was that from? Uh, no, she wasn't deflowered. She'd already had like five kids. Yeah. I think by that point, uh, I, I think I, there's what one left. I thought I had to th- throw in a men in tights reference. He's going to flower her in the tower. <laughs> Back when Dave Chappelle had a career. Uh, was he in that? Yeah, wow. he was a chew. I see that yeah, movie so old. That. I was like, but he released two comedy stuff. specials. They were really good. The new yeah, ones, yeah. yeah. Netflix. Yeah. So, so good. strong. He's yeah. bigger now. He's short. Each one's like. 40 minutes long or so. Well, he's got some years on him. But I love how he's talking about all these guys that were upset with him when he went to the, I think it was the Oscars or something, because there wasn't enough black representation. Yeah. And someone asked him, like, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. And he's like, Is it actually broken? I haven't worked in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, he had some great stories in there. The uh, the OJ ones were always very good, but oh, yes. his, his comments <laughs> on Bill like, Cosby kill me at the end. Oh. He ties these things up so yeah, well. Yeah, he's a genius. I, I don't know about his whole, like, he had this great line about when they were offering him a lot of money. Like, here's $120 million to do another series. Oh, but one second, and they will drop this huge dick on the table, and you've got to take that with you. And just, <laughs> which I guess meant that, you know, the strings attached were that he had to toe the corporate line, and he didn't want to be beholden to the, you know... Someone said he had a, a nervous breakdown. I don't know. How yeah, many take the notes of the studio and all that, which, you know, you can respect. But, yeah, I'm just, there's lots of, I don't know all the details of what went on and how big that dick was and where, how much he would have had to compromise his artistic sort of sensibilities. But just, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I, it's hard for someone like me to imagine how you could say no to it. But Yeah, so my big thing is I've been looking for the opportunity to sell out. 
Yeah. Every, everyone, like, you know, no, I wouldn't, I, I would compromise in a yes. heartbeat. Yes. I, I would make the art that they told me to for $120 million. <laughs> and then I would buy, I don't know, one of those Scrooge McDuck tank things and see if it yes. actually did break every bone in your body diving off a diving board into yeah. one. Swimming in the gold. But uh, speaking about lots of money, <laughs> Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, you know, Conor McGregor signing reportedly... What's that got to do with pop culture? $100 million or something he's getting mm. paid to fight. So who's the bigger Mayweather. evil? Because they're talking about Conor McGregor's made some racist comments. He called him boy a few times. But he then calls everyone boy. He's made, Irish. I know. I know, yeah. boy. boy oh, what you going to do? I got my pot of gold here. <laughs> I mean, you know, That's he's Conor McGregor. Taken out of context. He's more teasing course. him on his attire. And, yes. and it's like, uh, why did you bring a school bag on stage? You can't mm. even read. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, that's probably worse then. But is it? Uh, maybe, is it? Well, no, because of the, it's that whole thing of like, oh, this picture went viral and it was like a black family on a train reading. And everyone's like, well, hang on, why is that? Uh, you know, because someone's like, oh, we should see this more often. So it was like a really patronizing viral image. And it's like. I saw that. I couldn't work out what it was about. I thought, am I missing something? And I strolled past. Yeah, yeah. Cause, well, I just yeah. went, what the, it wasn't racist, this? man. It was just like jabbing him personally, not as a black person. Yeah, like, okay. But I can, you can see how that would be taken. No, I can't. I can't see why that. By calling, no. say, say, saying dance for me, boy, is less offensive than saying this motherfucker. No, I not mean, boy. Boy, if he says it all the time, then that's just a misunderstanding. But mm. with the, um, the, you can't even read, then, you know, there's a whole stigma there in a background of hundreds of years of oppression and like you know well maybe all... if you had more stereotypes like you know something about fried chicken or something yeah <laughs> but I, I just I can see why some people would jump on that do you know what but, I mean whereas Mayweather you dropped Australian the F- be Australian yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean but yeah Mayweather dropped the F-bomb not the F-word we usually use but you know basically called him a faggot at some point Right, yeah, so I've got to see the whole conference which again. It's like the the gay version of the N word, apparently. Like you just can't use it anymore. Hey, I, I, <laughs> that just reminds me of uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's got a Netflix special too. Uh, he's incredibly, incredibly black humor. Makes dead baby jokes mainly. Um, Louis C.K. No, 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 no. no, no. Makes dead comedian? baby jokes. Uh, yes. Uh, had a TV show with a section called Shark Party. Um, not Jim to... Jeffries? No, not Jim Jeffries. No. Uh, I don't know, Bill Burr? No. no. Uh, man, I forgot this name, but he had this bit where he says, these times come around where there's like the one topic you can't make fun of. Uh, at the moment, that's transgender people. Yeah. The whole audience goes, always says, see, can't do it. Can't even call them chicks with dicks anymore. You have to call them men who talk too much. <laughs> oh, he shot fire! I know. <laughs> this guy does not care. He, yeah. uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Send me a link to that, man. If I can it. find, uh, yeah. I can remember his damn name. It's just, it's really frustrating that I can't just pull it out of the mm. out of my head right now. But um, <laughs> it's my other thing. Look, it's a it's a boxing promotional tour with the two yeah. of the biggest shit talkers. I, I think I'm more impressed by the fact that there's someone who can out trash talk Mayweather. Because yeah. Mayweather's yeah. been up against Ricky Hatton, never a big talker, more of a doer. Uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao. Right. Uh, it's been very nice to be here. I think I know. The strongest. Oh, I'll definitely beat him. It's about as strong as he gets. Yeah, yeah. it's more uh, polite. Right? And now you've got finally Conor McGregor in there, the biggest mouth in the UFC, or whatever it is. And that's how he sort of he climbed his way to the top, not just in the fact that he beat these guys uh, and trained incredibly hard, but that he got people listening to him in the first place. I want to see that fight. And, mm. uh, and that's where it goes. You put them both in the same room on a hype tour, yeah. it's exactly what you're going to see. Yeah, Why yeah. pretend yeah. to be offended by it? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's what they want. They're the yeah. pr- buttons that they're pressing. They yeah. know that's going to happen. They know it's going to go viral. So. Mm. And from what I saw of a few clips of him walking around teasing Mayweather, he was laughing. Yeah. Mayweather's just having as much fun as mm. anyone else. I, I so. wouldn't be surprised if they, them two had a gentleman's agreement backstage to promote the fight and say, we're going to... You know, do you guys mm-hmm. honestly think that that they actually had an agreement and there's like no hard feelings, but we're going to trash as much as we can? That's yeah. a good question. It's hard to tell sometimes because you see him 
trashing each other and then uh, and you think okay it's all just talk but then other times it'll spill over and they'll all just start brawling because they might have a big they both remember that happening with tyson a few times tyson's team Mm. like he would just start pushing the other guy and Mm. then both sides it was like a the benches would clear yeah so in a press conference let's say two fights that i think go either side of the seesaw on your ones one is mayweather versus hatton so mayweather said all the stuff in the first place hatton had all the english guys across there Hatton gets knocked out or TKO'd because uh, he keeps ducking into a punch that Mayweather keeps throwing every time. He's right. <laughs> too much you know, of a particular move and Mayweather read it straight away. Amazing thing. After talking shit about him, Mayweather does the straight thing he does after every fight, which is to say, oh, I know who's a really great competitor, whatever it is. Hatton's going, nut. he's a dick. He's always been a dick. He's always going to be a dick and I'm not going to shake his hand. Fuck him. Wow. Uh, so, you know, in that case, Hatton was consistent in his dislike of Mayweather. But then at the same time, I saw a... A thing on uh, mm. on the promos for uh, Rousey and one of the other people that she was fighting, and yeah. they're in there doing the pre-fight photos up in close, and they're having yeah. to yeah pull the faces one by side, the hands up at the face, and stereotype yeah. one more time. Then they go, "Yep, just uh, we got to reset for a second. They start like, "Oh man, are your boobs sweaty? Yeah, my boobs are really sweaty. It's too hot in here." They're trying to towel off underneath or whatever, and yeah, yeah, and uh, they both know you know kind of what it's like. So it's weird, you know. One might they're glaring like they're going to bite each other's noses off or piece of ear to use yeah. the Tyson reference, but um, <laughs> just having a bit of a gas bag. With with McGregor and Mayweather, I I would say. I don't think they'd have a gentleman's agreement backstage, but they probably would have talked about this well in advance. Once they go in the lead up to stuff, what Mayweather seems to do is really focus on hating his opponent, trying to strip him down and, and attacking so that his head's constantly in that, in that space. Yeah. Um, Mayweather, I think he'll do his, his stage dance thing and then, you know, he's called a cucumber bit between. Um, I mean, are they allowed to f- UFC fight or does it have to be boxing? It's pure, it's pure boxing. Pure boxing. Oh, okay. uh, eight ounce gloves. Yeah. Uh, those, are, those are surprisingly light. I'm surprised they're fighting with eight. But um, or is it ten? They're doing ten ounce. Sorry, even tens are because MMA is four ounces, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So eight ten. Um, I mean, I, I do a lot of training with sixteen ounce gloves. Tens are very very light. <laughs> that's that's surprising. It's going to be a hard one for Connor because the longest he's ever gone has been three rounds, fifteen minutes. Five-minute rounds are a little bit longer in duration. Yeah, it can be more taxing on the cardiovascular system when you're having to work against takedowns. But at the same time, 12 rounds where you get 30-second gap in between, sure that is a train for that. That's a lot, man. Yeah, they're going to set him up with other fighters and just do a lot of drills. And, uh, so the ratio my instructor used to say to me, it says three rounds of pads is worth one round of sparring. Mm. Three rounds of sparring is worth one round in the ring. And... The, 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 that I found to be quite a true experience from when I went on a fight because mm. the stress inside the ring itself burns things up at a completely different rate. Yeah. Uh, you know when you're sparring that you can go a little bit easier, that you've got other things coming up. You also know that no one's really trying to hurt you. There's nothing really big on the line for you at that stage either. Um, and you know when you're in the middle of, of, sort of the mind games and the strategy and trying to work out what's going to happen next, there's a lot on you. It, it burns you up at a, at a much faster rate. Um, and so if you want a condition for it, you're thinking, okay, three by three. So you got essentially nine for one. Mm. If you want to be ready for a 12-round fight, you've got to be able to do at least 90 straight rounds of pad work. If you've, so if you've, right. if you've done wow. if you've ever done three minutes of straight hardcore pad work, taking a 30-second break and done it again, you imagine doing that 90 times, oh, that's, yeah. what, that's the level of condition you've got to be in. Wow. Uh, and that's, it's brutal. That's, that's Olympic level. It, yeah, it really know, is. Now, can he do it? Absolutely. Is he? America. But you're also against a master strategist. Mayweather is, uh, the ring is his domain. It has been for, you know, 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. That's a long time to be the best at what you do. Um, he, he does not of, take risks yeah. and he is very, very calm under pressure. So the only thing really going for McGregor is uh, he's got an incredible sense of timing and he's got a hell of a lot of power in those moments that he can get the timing things in there. Uh, his only real chance is to land a couple of really big, heavy surprise shots. If he doesn't do that, then it, it's Mayweather's fight. He's not going to grind him down. He's not going to win on points. Um, he's not going to take you know seven out of the twelve rounds or whatever it is. But uh, is there a chance he could score a knockout by the fourth? I, th- I think that's where the danger is. You, you start to get past the fourth round, 
uh, and things are going to be yes. a little bit more difficult. Mayweather's for him. domain. Mm. I mean, he's the greatest defensive boxer in history. Mm. Yeah. Um, just watching, I think when he fought Pacquiao, that kind of quite quietened the critics. Mm. It's like, a, what if they fought? Well, they did fight, and he won via decision. Um, this is the second fight or the first fight with Pacquiao. Mm. Mm. No, they only fought once. Did they only fight, fight yeah, once? Yeah, just yeah. one time. Right. I thought that was a yeah. rematch. No, no, no rematch. that was a disappointing fight. But Pacquiao stuffed his shoulder beforehand. Uh, and it wasn't even what I called a, a really, you know, dominating victory, but he is so incredible defensively. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, it, it wasn't compelling. My, my friends found it like, boring, mm. but then as a, tech, as a fan mm. and seeing the technical stuff, his, his shoulder rolling and his weaving mm. is incredible. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think Connor has a, a puncher's chance, mm. but I, I'm betting my money on Mayweather. Well, Hatton so. was a slugger. And the problem with the Hatton had was that he came in against Mayweather uh, wanting to knock him out. He's got 40,000 British fans in there all chanting or whatever it was. And he left his game plan on the side and went for the slug. Um, that's the danger so that... a good idea uh, against Mayweather. Yeah. As, as this, I think connor has got the same danger um, at that point. Connor's training with some of the best boxers in the world and all of them have been beaten by, by Mayweather. <laughs> Whoever you're fighting is is second place to the guy you're going to be fighting. He's got a perfect record. Yes. You 49 and 0. You wow. cannot fight. You cannot train with someone who knows how to beat him because they haven't. That's the hardest part. Yeah. So I think you know it's it's going to be an interesting fight regardless. I think the hype's going to be fun. Um, I I really see Mayweather taking it out, but the only chance that Connor's got is in those first four. There was a YouTube video showing um, the moments that Mayweather got rocked by punches, and it was only like three or four moments in his entire career, mm. and, and that was it. And it was like only like a four-minute video, and uh, it's just, yeah, it's, again, Mayweather's well, the well, man. Now you've got me, you've hyped it up enough for yeah. me to watch it. So. Like, is it an intriguing fight because it's an MMA fighter getting yeah. into a boxer's ring? Because we have seen boxers go into MMA. Yeah. Uh, classic example: James Tony uh, fought Randy Couture in UFC. And Randy Couture isn't even a top tier fighter, and he just went to the ground and then just. Um, well, he was. He, 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 you know, he was. He was the uh, the champion for sort of three or four. This, turns. This, that's right. This was in 2010, where oh, it's kind okay. of past his his okay. prime. His his prime was like maybe early 2000s, but um, yeah, James Tony at least put put his put his, put his money where his mouth is, mm. and actually went to the octagon. Yeah. Whereas Mayweather would not why go would, into why the octagon. Why would they never get Mayweather there? Because he knows he'd lose. Yes. Things, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's very very hard to recondition a fighting style in any situation. But if you're over forty, um, you know the the your body recovery. Your, you know, I'm surprised you can fight as well as you can in the boxing area at the moment because your joints get you know calcium mm. deposits and all sorts of issues in there. But um, he's got great genetics for it. Mm. Um, the big thing that I th- I think makes it a difference for this fight is that. Yeah, yeah, MMA fighters' physiological makeup is very, very different and the way that they've conditioned themselves. Mm. Um, and your explosive power is much higher than a traditional boxer because they aren't training for the duration of, uh, of most other kind of situations. So it's yeah, sprinters versus marathon runners yes, kind of. Sure. Three rounds versus 12. Yes, but also yes. Uh, you develop different, different muscles. You see your boxer's serratus, which sits just below the, uh, or alongside the rib cage and things, from all that explosive power, they used to call it the punches muscle, and you see it coming out at the side, just that little fan in there, um, because that's that's the big moment for the for the kickboxers. Uh, you know, you'd see a slightly different physiology again, but for the MMA guys, these huge thick muscle bands around the waist and the power from the legs is uh, so different because they they're used to having to use those to you know strain against someone uh, pushing up as well as uh, the, the kicks and, the, and wearing uh, and wearing shots to that. Um, I think that, that generates much stronger hits from um, from starting points. Right. Uh, so you've got because every punch starts from the feet, doesn't start from the shoulders or from the hands. Um, and so if you're able to, to drive more off that foot, then uh, you're going to be delivering a, a lot bigger hits than someone who's only ever fought boxers is going to be used to wearing. Mm. Um, and that I think might make a bit of a difference. I don't know if Mayweather's just going to be getting bigger guys to hit him a lot to sort of condition him for it and, uh, and see where it goes. But that's, uh, that does actually make a difference to the fight in the, in the end to my mind. Um, but that conditioning factor becomes the big, the big difference. After four or five rounds, conditioning will, will outweigh whatever muscle mass yeah. you have. This is definitely the biggest like, social slash fighters experiment um, 
because it's it's kind of a landmark history. It's like two different worlds coming together. So I sound like a freaking promoter. You don't have to but, call this like an MMA podcast or something. Yeah, yeah. All Let's right. get back to the nerd stuff. Okay, we will, we will. Nerdy things. Nerdy things. Um, I was going to talk about the Deadpool and, and yeah, yeah, just yeah. in with the... Do you mind telling your, your story? Because it was quite, quite funny <laughs> so back in the day. It was a windy, cold morning. Yeah. <laughs> It actually was a windy cold morning because yeah. it was July. Yeah. I, I discovered... So I went to my very first ever Comic-Con. Right. And um, just before that, it, it, it had been a Halloween and our suburb for the first time. Um, but I'll go back a little bit further. 1986, wow. right? Okay. I was living in the States wow. uh, for a year with my family. My dad was a, a lecturer. And I got my first taste of American Halloween. Mm. It is nuts. Go hard it is amazing. It blew my mind. It stayed with me ever since then. Yeah, wow. yeah. They got the Christmas things, but Halloween was mental. So it was me and three hundred kids broken into groups of thirty who were going around with various adults to every house in the neighborhood because it's all it all had to be structured because everyone was out. Yeah, and uh, and all the costumes were there and. Every adult was dressed up. Every place had a you know tombstone coming out of it or some animatronic thing. That's it was awesome. absolutely crazy. That and great. you get that cultural cringe here, and they go, "Oh, we're not Americans." Yeah, right. yeah. There was a huge pushback yeah. for it, but why not? It's fun. We we moved into one of those new suburbs, and one of the things about new suburbs is that uh, often they'll start doing things as a community, particularly things like Halloween. Mm. And so people had had a bit of a drive before, and and they were organising a big group of people to go out and do some trick or treating. And I'd just gotten into some Deadpool comics and stuff, and so uh, this is what three years ago? Uh, yeah, three or four years ago, right. I, I guess. Um, it's got to be four years ago then, because that was when I first got the. It was like 2014 or 15. Yeah, and so I got this Deadpool costume, yeah. and and I dressed up with the kids, and off we went. And uh, had plenty of people saying, oh, it's Spider-Man or something. Had a couple, one or two people went, hey, it's Deadpool. That was before there was a movie. Yeah. 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 That's Spider-Man. And, uh, and, and it was kind of cool. And so then yeah. uh, I'd missed Supernova the year before. Someone, my friend had been going and saying, it's, it's great. Mm. Um, had another nerdy friend. I said, look, uh, let's give this thing a, a crack. I might, I've already got the costume. Let's just dress up for the fun of it. Yeah. Went along there and there was, uh, you know, just, it blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like it. It reminded me back of being in America for the first time. Oh, Halloween. All these people dressed up. Wow. Uh, there was someone from Ruby from RWBY. There was someone as a, uh, as a space marine in this huge thing that he had to have three people help him climb up into. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was just hectic. My kids were along there too and we had a, a really, really wonderful time. And so I showed, showed some pictures to my boss and... Uh, he was going, you know, you're an idiot who <laughs> wears his pajamas out in public. Yeah. And he usually like to have a go at me. Yeah. Well, he had a really acerbic sense of humor and yeah. he is sense very, very dry and, and uh, usually a wonderful guy. And he's still one of my, my good friends. But um, so he knew that my mum had been a doctor at uh, Westmead Children's Hospital. She was in yeah. child protection and uh, she died in 2003. And uh, so an ad came on his Foxtel thing for the superhero week. Mm. And he said, you know, I, I bet you wouldn't have the guts to wear this all the way in to work on Casual Friday. I'm like, well, you clearly don't know how little <laughs> self-respect I have. Uh, so he, he said, I will put a hundred bucks on it if, if you do it. And I'm like, you are on then. And mm. so I thought, well, if someone's prepared to do that, I'll, I'll have another go. And in my head, Right after having gone all the way in on the train and seeing all these people dressed up on the train for Supernova, I assumed mm. that Superhero Week <laughs> was bigger than it, than it actually was, and yeah. that there would be a whole bunch of people on my train platform also in costume right. doing this kind of thing. You really thought that was a wow. big thing? Uh, well, Very I didn't know. It was, on, it was on TV. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. And so I, I just signed up. There was a website. It looked very professional. Like, yeah. And they were very cool people. And they were yeah, like, yeah, nice. you know, dramas. And the competitive side of me saw people getting donations. Like, cool, I'll, I'll put in some stupider things as, re as reward tiers and see what happens. Yeah. So in the end, I was like, man, I now have to bring... Uh, it, it got to the point that I was going to have to wear the Deadpool costume, carrying cupcakes, holding a single rose between my teeth and convince a stranger to tango with me. That's right, you had to dance. Yes. And, uh, wow. You know, uh, and, oh, and, and if we hit a certain level, I had to try and involve members of the police force. Oh boy. Which wasn't hard. As well, well I, my intention, <laughs> I had a friend in my suburb who was a yeah. cop. And so I was going to say, 
on Saturday, mate, can I just get a picture of you? You know, I've got this big pile of toy guns. We can sort of put them there as if he's had to pull them off Deadpool and have Deadpool on the round being arrest, arrested. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we can give this a shot. Anyway, so I, I get to the station. I'm running up the steps. I've got little fake grenades that fall off. So I pick one up. I hold that in my teeth. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. I've got cow. a giant bag in the other hand. I'm swiping my way, my way through, jumping down. My friend's waiting down the platform to take some of the pictures for me and, yeah. and things. Yeah. And uh, I realize this has got to look very, very weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just thought people would go, you're in spandex. So clearly he's either just mentally challenged or there's a purpose behind this. Mm. Um, I didn't think that someone would be assume, assuming that this could be the next ISIS. No. Um, yeah. I, I've heard I've heard of the Arab Spring. I wasn't sure that the fashion that went with that was anything like her related, but uh, maybe it breathes better. So it's good to know. Yeah. Um, and, and then what happened? Well, uh, I got up and I gave my speech. And Imagine how was that to just give a speech, cold, you know, just straight out on a packed train in spandex, no preamble. <laughs> in spandex with a mask on like yes. I just that blows my mind yeah so it's fine I've been doing youth groups for a long time and so I was used to instead of public speaking but yeah. it, not often do you do that when you're dressed up like an idiot yeah, right. um, and uh, you know it, it was a little bit nerve wracking because again I had thought that by the time I got to the platform there would be someone <laughs> yeah. anyone else <laughs> no. uh, not a peak hour on a damn. Monday or whatever it was so, so uh, I, I asked for someone to dance with me yeah. and it was crickets there was no. <laughs> it was like no but at wow. least they knew you weren't a terrorist yes some people yeah. had, so like we want to give you money I'm like oh, that's kind of cool yeah. what I didn't realise was that beforehand someone I don't know whether it was on the station or in the, or the, the up, upper part of the carriage yeah. had gone this doesn't look really good because you know fake swords and other bits mm. and pieces I, there was little red tips on the guns and everything else was no, all above board yeah, but yeah. Uh, I guess you know sometimes you're not 100% certain mm. but so anyway we uh, eventually I say, okay, is anyone prepared to do this or i got to go to another a carriage? And my friend uh, who was there, guilt trips, he said, come on, people, I don't want to have to move. And a, a lady finally said, you know what, I'll do it. And we gave her a huge round of applause. We did our tango. I gave her a cupcake. Beautiful. And, uh, and she was a really good sport, all, yeah. all things considered. Um, we sat back down for 30 seconds and pulled into Blacktown. I'm like, okay, well, done these things. Blacktown. My next big question is, how are we going to get the police involved? And I have my phone out to start... Facebook messaging my friend to say, are you still right to do this tomorrow? And anyway, these, uh, the, the train's not moving for a while. And my mate leans across to me, he goes, I, I bet they're coming for you. It's probably your fault. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, no. Next thing we see, these police come down the stairs. He goes, they're probably coming for you. Ha, 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 again. The feet are coming closer to our carriage, the last carriage on the whole train. Oh. I'm going, no, no. Uh, yep. One of them... He's looking up. He looks down. He points, and his friend starts laughing. And can't, he, he, he can't even get up. laughing. The others, uh, are, all of them are serious. One of yeah. them, who's has spotted me, is gone. Yeah. And he couldn't get on the train. He starts laughing too much. But the other guys, they come down. They get very, very serious. Yeah. Like, all right. So we need to ask you to come with us. And uh, my friend comes along with it, and he starts going. Guys, it's for charity. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. not a big deal. What are you doing? And, and I'm like, mate, don't piss off the, the cops. The cops are going, yeah. sir, do you want to sit back down and get back on the train? Mate, 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 he's not doing it. They're toys. They're toys. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm going, seriously, man, I, this is fine. I can talk to these guys. <laughs> if you go getting tasered, you know, yeah. this is not going to be <laughs> good. Just get back on the, I said to the train conductor, man, just go. It's fine. Uh, I'll catch the next one. And he's like, are you sure? Train conductor was super, super nice guy. I said, no worries. We'll sort it out. Now, it just so happened that uh, it was a not slow news week, and so the Telegraph boys were down there doing a thing about trains running on time. And so I didn't realize at the time, I'm wondering why this guy's there with these huge camera taking these pictures. Uh, uh, and he, he's running around taking these things from all these angles. So I go up to him after the cops have cleared everything. We put some of the things back in the bag, and there was a, a lady cop there, so nice. Yeah, she was yeah. really, really cool. One guy was, was a bit too hardcore about it, but there was... Uh, you know, uh, the rest of them were, were, were pretty yeah, cool guys. You always get that one answer uh, to Yeah. Well, yeah, it, look, he could have been worse, but uh, yeah, I think he really wanted to let it know that it was mm. serious because it had to come out. And in yeah. fairness, there were eight of them and they were armed. They had their bulletproof vests and they'd been mm. told that 
uh, it was a menacing person in red and black armed yeah. to the teeth. <clears throat> I have to assume uh, the worst. Yeah, I, you know, certainly if they'd said there's a guy in here in spandex armed to the teeth, they'd probably say, look, does it, do you think it could be toys? Mm. But uh, just hearing red and black, I don't think it was enough for them to, yeah. to tell. Um, anyway, I go up to this, this photographer guy. I'm like, well, mate, uh, I was wondering, uh, if I give you my email address, could I get a couple of these photos? Because... You know, yeah. this is what I'm doing and I needed to get some cops involved at some point this worked out kind of fortuitously yeah. he says look I'm with the Telegraph my reporter's down there um, we were here to take a picture of the train just coming in you know late in the first place by a couple of minutes and, and things but do you mind if he, if he talks to you so we talked for five minutes he asked me what I think about the Western Sydney train line I said it's fine when I'm not delaying it and uh, <laughs> I explained a little bit about what I was doing he said yeah look it's probably not going to be a big deal we'll send you the photos later on gets to I get to work about 45 minutes late and uh, my friend who worked for a different insurer um, had sent everyone in my office pictures of me being arrested and so they were cracking up and uh, I said I can't believe you did it and I said I told you I would and just got down to work didn't think anything much of it shot the guys an email about 11 o'clock saying hey um, what do you reckon can I get these these pictures at some point because I'd like to send it to the supporters who have donated so far and just tick off that box and then we're done for the day I can focus on work I'm already behind a few things heard nothing went to lunch 15 minutes into lunch my friend sends me a picture of her computer screen Uh, you're on the front page of the telegraph that's the front page yeah wow Wow. I went what (laughs) Um, right I thought that'll die down come back to the office and they say you got some missed calls I go cool like Clients are probably going to be trying to figure out where these things are at or whatever yep. it is. They go, yeah, it's, uh, it's Channel 7, Channel 10, Channel 9, and 2GB. Really? Uh, and I'm going, you, you what now? Uh, <laughs> the rest of the afternoon was all these wow. random media things. And, yeah, it was crazy. Cow, man. Uh, so I ended up with three news crews in our little office or whatever it is. And yeah. uh, another photographer comes out and takes photos of me in the filing room and stuff. And the strange thing about it all was that... Uh, what was the I, news angle? Like, what were they wanting to know? Um, sort of what it was all about. And yeah, just, yeah. Uh, I wish they'd pushed the Bear Cottage angle heavier, to be honest. Yeah, no, like, it, it's certainly very flattering when, yeah. when people want to share a story about you and, and all that kind of gear. But the whole point was to get money for mm. Bear Cottage and the, and the Superhero Week. And um, I mean, I didn't use some cursory things about it at the time. So the cool thing about it was that uh, afterwards, they had me out there, and yeah. I went through the whole place, um, and they blew my mind, man. They, mm. I, I, I wanted to cry half the time in there, yeah. uh, because if, for those of, for those who don't know, Bear Cottage is for for kids who are going to die; they're terminally ill. Uh, and it's not just for it's not like Starlight or, or Make a Wish or something where they get to do something or meet someone. It's for the whole families to go. Uh, they care for them medically. They set up their, their little rooms in a very particular way. They give them a special blanket that they have. They put their favorite things from their ordinary rooms around and, mm. uh, and make it feel really homely. But their siblings come, their parents come. Uh, they run things for all of them at once, like a you know, family outings, but they've got individual ones for the... the it's kind of like a home away from home where they can get all the help they need and also have the family, but not... Well, it's, it's more than that because it's, yeah. it's real care for them. Like they'll do they'll take the parents away and just go, look, yeah. we're going to look after you. They'll give them massages and reflexology. The other kids, we'll get, we've got a two-day camp, you know, out with some other kids, so they're not stuck in a situation where it's just about managing the other sibling symptoms yeah. and having to, to, to cope. And then in between, the whole families all get together for meals, and they get these amazing support networks. They make all these things together. They've got arts and crafts, and they have these things where, I guess for a lot of these kids, as they get sicker, people forget about questions about how they're living life. Do you learn anything? Because you're like, well, you don't really need to go to school because you're not going to see another year kind of thing, mm. uh, which sounds horrible to say, but it's kind of where the mentality goes. Yeah. And the Bear Cottage people go, no, this is about experiencing life. They, they pulled in an international chocolatier sh- uh, person, and they mm. sat down with these kids and taught them how to make these incredible handmade chocolates and and mm. stuff. And to see them for that moment again living and, and, and full of joy and, and uh, finding new things, experiencing as much of the marrow of life as the old uh, Dead Poets quote goes, suck the marrow of li- out of life, um, was incredible. And so right down to some of the really simple things, as, as a lot of the diseases go, they've got um, 
impacts on, on motor control and function. Mm. It goes from first the, you know, the extremities, fingers and toes, then up through the legs and things. The last thing that usually goes are the eyes and ears. Um, and so for the kids who are now completely wheelchair bound, they had this multi-sensory room, which has got these thick ropes of, uh, of uh, fiber optics and things that run all through it. And these whole, the whole room has interesting sounds and lights that change. It's, it's outstanding. And these kids get to to go in there and they're still what, what can still move is the back of the neck and the, the eyes moving yeah. around them just to, to be dazzled still right up to the very end um, and they, they really amazed me so I was a little bit sad in some parts that the story became more about me being a, a dickhead than it was about yeah. uh, <laughs> essentially the cause yeah, like, why was this idiot end? on yeah. a train although it's yes, more sensationalist yeah. for the headlines and stuff. Yeah. but um, yeah, yeah. I, saw, I saw that segment on Channel 7 News mm. and um, I was like whoa it's, it's and that's how we met I mean a, a, ultimately yeah. mm. I was like who is this guy and I just got into Cosmo myself and I was like that's what I want to do because I <coughs> recently ran in the city to surf in full SWAT gear and I was dumb enough to just grab one of those uh, full size machine gun looking things from Paddy's markets and mm. had no concept at all that that mm. would be an issue and somehow I was lucky enough for it not to have gotten stopped or whatever mm. and I guess what you were hoping would happen with people on the train mm. it kind of did happen you get a whole bunch of people dressed up for a fun run so that worked mm. but yeah, yeah at the, I remember walking home from when it finished through a shopping mall then up the street carrying all that stuff mm. so I was very lucky not to have the same thing happen and when I saw someone else you know, go through, like, have what happened to you happen. I was like, oh, maybe that was the first inkling where I was like, maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> and and nah. I sort of got in touch and, yeah, went from there. Well, I guess, I guess what, what surprised me, actually, was there were some people, you know, they got those ranty YouTube channels where they just get on and rant about something because yeah. that's how they get their viewers or something. Yeah. Uh, but they did one about, about me. And I'm like, dude, you know, I'm on social media. If you wanted to know anything of the reasons why that you're speculating, shoot me a message. I would have responded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you made yeah. a bunch of very strange assumptions, and yeah. uh, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, and that was the first because I actually I think I inboxed you or something first. I was mm. like, he's never going to reply. He probably has thousands of people, you know, messaging or whatever. And you're like, hey man, what's up? And I'm like, Whoa! <laughs> so then, you're in the paper and you're talking to me. What? <laughs> what? So yeah, you're real. The funniest so thing, I, I had a friend over time. in England. Yeah, because uh, I went to Daily Mail, the uk and stuff, mm. uh, and she's she's an international lawyer, uh, sorry, international energy lawyer. Wow. Um, so that's the, the area that she works on. Um, so not the type of thing that you'd ever see them looking at something about cosplay no. or or pop culture. Um, I mean, we've been friends since we were sixteen, so I knew then if we'd been friends at uni, we probably would have never actually crossed paths. Um, so I get this thing out of the roof <laughs> going. What the actual hell? I'm like, what do you mean? I thought she was ticked off that I hadn't written to her for a while or something. Yeah, yeah. And she pasted the link in, and I was like, oh yeah, that um, you heard about that, did you? She writes back, everyone's heard about yeah, yeah. that. So yeah, it was nice to have 15 minutes of fame and all, but um, I, for me personally, the thing I got way more out of it was to to see that there was someone like the Bear Cottage people doing what they're doing, and yeah, yeah. Uh, it sort of made me rethink a, a few things. It really was a huge introduction to the cosplay scene with you, and again, you know, you and Vin, like you guys. Were, you know, we're really early on in the scene in Australia, frankly, in terms of organising people and doing stuff in a in a big yeah, way. Yeah, like I think it was a few weeks later we did something at Blacktown Station mm. to try and get some more money yes. for them. And yeah, that was really good. Yeah, that's I did. That was when I could still wear spandex as well. Yeah, I was still running around a it's bit. Good times. Uh, Captain America costume. And, um, you know, they were really good sports because we mm. went to the police station and took a few more photos. Yeah. So. There was supposed to be that first weekend. I was I got organised to go out there again. You guys mm -hmm. couldn't do it the last second. I couldn't do the subsequent weekend. So yeah. me and the kids still went and sat on the bench. But for a while, the cops That's were right. going to call it superhero bench or something. And then really? you know the fifteen minutes was over, and no one gave a crap anymore. No. And, and <laughs> oh, on it went. That's how it is these days. You yeah. got to keep yeah. putting out new. Keep the fire going, or else mm. fame dies very quickly. It was what it was, but yeah. it, was, it was like the guy who you know beat the robbers with the thongs and stuff. It, uh, every you know, yeah, he gets a bazillion friend requests for a day, and then all of a sudden wow. it ends yeah. off. Oh, that Corey kid that had a huge party. Corey Worthington. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah, or yeah, Delaney. It's not clear which surname he was using. One moment. I haven't heard yeah. that name in ten years. Yes. Honestly, wow. The stupid glasses back. and the uh, the the fur coat back. with no shirt. I think the way to keep if you <laughs> if you become like a mini celebrity for a five minutes, the only way to keep the fame going is to get 
arrested and actually stay in jail for a while because then when you come out it's a story again like with Michelle Corby mm. but she didn't really do anything that interesting no she may or may not have actually had I think she probably did yeah have the um, well. hash in her bag whatever it was because apparently that kind of hash is hard is worth a lot in Bali because it's like what well, you're bringing snow to the Eskimos but no in fact this particular kind was like strong and the yeah. stuff they've got over there is terrible I don't know the scene but um, what kept it going was yeah she's kind of attractive and when she came out again that's a whole nother story they could run and her family's a complete shit show so they can throw them in the paper it's every the other money. day it's like the book deal the interviews everything else it's like yeah. so much opportunity so yeah it's um, an interesting and, um, it helps when she's how do like you female <laughs> sex tech that's how you, you yeah say right it. you could do that's that Kardashian too. the Kardashians had that figured out yeah, yeah. Paris Hilton as dumb as they seem to be, the Kardashians, they've, they've got themselves financially covered with yeah. their strategy. And speaking of tokenism, has anyone seen the OJ um, show on Netflix that they did, the OJ story? No, I was, I was going to, but then I didn't care enough. Joey Schwimmer, what's his name? Ross from Friends, uh-huh. plays the Kardashian lawyer, who's like OJ's yeah. best friend. And they just did all these like completely unnecessary seeming cutaways to his children mm. so there'd be you know Chloe and all the other Kardashians sitting around chatting and reacting to the OJ news and like oh my god what's going on and they'd go out to dinner and people would be taking photos of, of them and go that's his lawyer and that's his kids and it just seemed like if she hadn't made that sex tape and gotten mm. famous and they had that reality show mm. they never would show these they never would have done these scenes no they just seemed really shoehorned in and it served no narrative purpose at all no. So that annoyed me a little bit. Otherwise, great show. But I saw a headline that said, woman spends $540,000 to look like Kim Kardashian. I'm like, Kim Kardashian spent $540,000 to look like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Come on, people. Yeah. Well, probably, all she had to do was go to the same version. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, oh, that's entry-level cost. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the catalog. Yeah. Like, that's on the butt alone. So. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I, I think we're going to wrap up soon. Um, yeah. So we're kind of over what, time. What's going on events-wise, though? We've got um, something's happening tonight, actually. There's a huge Overwatch battle at the start. Right. Apparently, there's an Overwatch like World Cup, the qualifiers and stuff. So yep. uh, that's so happening at the Star Beyond, Casino. Yep. Beyond Cosplay is going to have a little wrap-up of that. The two girls going, Marie and um, yep. it's Carly. So, uh, yep. yeah. I'm really impressed that, that eSports have reached this kind of level. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's big. there's yeah, there's serious money in this. There was one a couple of months ago that was like a not a Rainbow Six tournament. That's how old school I am. That's the one <laughs> I remember. Counter Strike. Counter Strike. And it was hey. a, I think it was Olympic Park, and that was yeah. pretty big. That was it. You know where they normally have concerts for Justin Bieber and stuff right. like that. So, you know, there was a few thousand people went, but not a lot of cosplay. Um, I don't. It's a gaming tournament. It's, yeah, you know, it's more so for gamers. Like, it should be thousands. You know, if you're going to have all these people there. And they're playing video games, which is usually, there's a lot of video game characters. For example, at EB Games Expo, a lot of cosplay. But people seem to really go there like a sports event for the sports. Hmm. So that means there's, a, there's something in it. That's the key word, sports, because like, this is, it's not a pop culture event. And it's not like a fad, a it's not a fickle thing that's going to fade away. It's, right. it's really around now for the, hmm. you know, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it'll ever be state of origin big, culturally, but... It's well, hmm. let's go to Korea. It's yeah. going to grow. So, well, that's, that's, that's a special case. Oh, my God. But, you know, that's where you've got people just gaming until they die. Like skipping work to watch it. Well, skipping the, food and toilets. And as they say, if you want to start playing there and making the big leads, it's a good career move. Mm. That was my pun for the day. Dad joke. Oh, my God. That took way too long. Yeah. You and your dad <laughs> jokes. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All right, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. So that fun. is the end of episode four of Banana Split. Someone had to call it. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Thank you, Reuben, for coming in. Um, Thank you, Reuben. Thank you for coming to your um, neck of the woods. Um, we'll go try out this infamous Chinese place. Vin seems to think it's so good. Better it's, than it's, Chinatown. Well, it's Burwood. I mean, but Reuben, you've been here, so you can make some suggestions. But uh, yeah. alrighty, so my name is Vin. Patrick over here. And Ruben. Ruben in the corner. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. Bye bye.